Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. The hat of the week or the hat, the hat of the episode is from Bo Spider. I ran into these guys at the Iowa Deer Classic here a couple week or a weekend or so ago, and they were I've seen them on Instagram and I've always wanted to get their product. And I was debating between a couple of different ones, but what they're designed to do is to be able to hold your bow off to your side or on your back when you're walking, hiking, and it's all set up to be able to design for a person either does white, any, any form of archery, essentially, because you can do when you're walking through the trails for doing a 3D archery, you can set it up and such. I do recommend going to check out their stuff on their Instagram feed and stuff. They also have a podcast as well. So there's a shout out for them. Now, my guest today is Clay Wells. Uh, I found him on, online and on, on, Instagram, when I started following his story of transformation. Now, he got tired of the way he felt, the way he was at one point in time, and he decided to change his entire aspect of his life and putting putting his health and his consciousness and his family all run. And it's like he has transformed himself into a beast. And on top of that, he's got a, he's got a several big bucks to the wall. He's a public land hunter. Uh, he's an expedition shooter, which is pretty cool. Some of you have already heard that I'm part of the expedition family. So we're going to talk about our expedition bows and such. But he's also... A lot of people don't know he is ambidextrous as an archer, which is pretty sweet. So we're going to talk about that too as well, because not very many archers will have a left-handed and a right-handed bow to get it, 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 in their in their um, arsenal. So that's something that's really unique about Clay. So I'm going to let Clay take over, and I'm going to let him talk about his life, how he got into hunting, his inspirations and stuff like that, how he became who he is today, but also how he figured out that he's ambidextrous too, because that's a really good story to listen about. All right. Thanks, man. Um, well, uh, so I guess for me with, with hunting, um, I mean, that goes back to me being a kid. Uh, I lived in Colorado till I was 10 and my family always went up to my uncle's house in, um, Northwest Colorado every year and went deer hunting. Um, but that was a little different than what we've, what I'm doing here in Iowa now. So, uh, but my, my family's always hunted. Um, when we, after we moved to Iowa, my dad started bow hunting and, um, I never went with him, uh, when I was growing up cause there was no way I could sit still. So <laughs> he never, never, never took me with him. And he, he was about the same way. He, he rarely sat in the stand more than an hour or two. Cause his stand was only about a hundred yards from the house and he could hear the cows calling him for their breakfast of the morning. So, um, but it wasn't until, uh, three years ago that I started hunting myself and, and what, what really led me to, to do that was I, um, you know, I, I got on Instagram and started seeing, you know, people like John Dudley and Cam Haynes on there. And I, I started, I picked up my old bow that I'd had for 
20 some years and started shooting it in the backyard and went and visited the local bow, local bow shop and picked up a, a used bow there that fit me a little better than my bow from when I was eight years old. So, and from there on, I just kind of went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> that's a good way to, that's how most people do. So when, when you first got into, when you started looking at taking art, getting in, looking at bows, where did you start first? Where did you go to, um, and what, you should excuse me, rephrase that. What pro shop did you go to? And like, what bows did they have? So this way you can kind of start gaining an experience of which ones you do and don't like. So I, my, my local shop, uh, it's in Humboldt, Iowa. It's called Center X Archery. And, uh, they are, uh, they have uh, Bowtech, um, Expedition, and PSE bows. And um, so I'm trying to remember what that first one was that I got from. It was uh, an Alien X was what the bow was. I'm trying to remember the brand. Um, but that was the first bow I got from him used. And <clears throat> so that got me going. And and getting into it more with that. And then I upgraded to my first expedition bow. And that was my mountaineer that I have, my right-handed bow right now. And then uh, through things I saw online and talking to them at the shop, it was, you know, I, I was noticing that some people when they shoot their bow, they have both eyes open. And I was like, well, I can't do that shooting right-handed because I'm left eye dominant. And they're like, well, you know, usually when we set up someone with their first bow, we figure out what their dominant eye is and that's which way you shoot your bow. And I was like, oh, well, I always just shot right-handed because I'm, because I'm right-handed. So, um, so I started messing around with that idea and then I, I bought a used um, Expedition Mako left-handed bow and I started shooting that and I mean you can imagine how awkward it was at first um, and it just it felt really weird for a while and then I, um, I actually went through uh, John Dudley's whole school of knock with that left-handed bow and it took took the awkwardness out of it because I was concentrating on the steps, the shooting process. And that's what really got me to where I could start shooting left-handed. Um, and after I, I shot that bow for about a year and then I upgraded to the Expedition, the MX-16 that I'm shooting now. Now, is that a left-handed or right-handed bow? That one's left-handed. Okay. So I've got the, I've got a left-handed MX-16 and I still have the right-handed Mountaineer. Very cool, man. Have you had a chance to shoot the MX-32, the new one that he just came out this year? I haven't yet. Ooh, it's a good bow. It is, it, it will probably be my next bow in like two, two years, two, three years. It's because it's like, I just, I just got the new uh, DLX. But when I was at the, the Iowa Deer Classic, when I got to draw back and shoot it, it was the, the way it drew back the peaks, the valley and the back wall were as anybody would want it to be. And it's got that speed and got that torque. Now, if you really want a good solid speed bow, 
that would be the smoke that they released this year. That thing has some torque. I mean, that would just fling some arrows. Yeah, and that's how that that Mako was one of their speed bows from before. Because um, I think I'm trying to remember. I think that had like a four inch brace height on it. I think so. I think you're right. I like I like the forgiveness that the MX-16 gives with the the six inch brace height on it. And um, I mean, I'll take, I haven't done it recently cause it's been cold, but um, you know, I, I love going out and shooting longer distances too. Um, the longest I got out to was 130 yards with my MX-16. And I like doing that. Um, I'll, I'll shoot out to hundred yards with both right or left-handed. Um, but I, I, I just think that's, it's, it's fun to do those longer shots when you're messing with a target. Cause it, it really makes it a lot easier when you're coming down to those short 20 or 30 yard shots. If you can, if you can hit something from a hundred yards away. <laughs> that is so true. I read an article from Peter's bow hunting magazine. I think it was like 2014 or 2015. And it was only like a page and a half article, nothing over the top. But what it was is that they were drilling in whatever range you're going to be shooting at for, for your kill range. You want to double that. So if you're hunting 30, go to 60, 40, go to 80, that type of scenario right there. So this way, then we're doing those 20 yard shots or 40 yard shots it's a trip shot real, real easy. And I don't think that was, I, that's always um, resonated with me. And I always try to preach that same exact knowledge because it, it will just make things a much easier and such. Now, how's your eyesight? Cause I just bought myself a magnifier and immediate eye relief. So, um, so that was another reason that I, that I wanted to try shooting left-handed too. Um, my right eye is a little weaker than my left eye. Um, not much like it's it's barely it's it's not even enough that they would recommend me getting like a contact or anything but it was enough that i could tell uh like when i got out when i'm shooting my bow right-handed out past 50 60 yards it gets a little blurry but uh but it's not bad i mean i can still see good enough to shoot um but that, that was one thing that made a big difference for me when I switched over and I was shooting left-handed is I could have both eyes open. You can have that full field of vision when you're shooting. And um, it just made things a lot easier when I got out to longer distances for sure. Now, when you switch between your right and your left-handed, now do you use a thumb release or do you use a trigger? I use a thumb. Um, I use a... I've got a couple of different ones. I've got one of the, the knock to it releases and I've got uh, a silverback tension release. And so I switched, I, I switched between the two of those. I've been doing that a lot lately. So. Very nice. Those are both really high end. Those are like cream of the crop when it comes down to releases here. I just bought myself a new release early this spring. Give me one moment. We'll grab it. So I've been for years. I've been rocking the the Truefire uh, Edge, which is a nice. It's a it's a decent release. It helps everything out. I really enjoyed it because it's very nice and quiet. But 
I came across Shields here a few weeks ago, and they had the True Ball Max Pro Plus. And what I like about it was it instantly was the lack of uh, distance to, for the for the travel for when you release it. So if you if you can see here, opens up. I mean, look at that, just very little travel. Then you then you compare it to the True Fire, and it was like, oh, oh yeah. So when you get yeah. both of them like this, it's like that's a big difference between the two of them, and I really enjoy it. It's a it's a fantastic uh, uh, release, and it's like a very comfortable. It's like it was it was nothing new switching between the two of them, and I felt that it's like it was very easy going between of them. And it's like I'll, I'll still use both of them, but it's always nice to have a backup because it's you never know when you're gonna be in a situation where you leave it or you leave it at the truck or the car, or whatever, depending on what you're driving. Because been there, I left I left a uh, release in the vehicle while I'm sitting out there, and like luckily that day nothing showed up but you know you know how that goes we've all been there yep <laughs> so when you were coming down and choosing the releases between the two like how did you how did you um come to the conclusion like this is the one i'm gonna buy and this is the other one i'm gonna buy i i think well just for me a lot of it at, at the time when i bought that release i mean that was when i was you know i was going through and using the school knock from John Dudley and and these are the releases he put out and I was like well um just figured I'd try those out they you know that's what's working with his you know how he's teaching things um and you know I was using a wrist strap release before that and I just I it felt a lot better switching over to that thumb release uh for me and just how I was positioning my you know my arm when I drew back and everything um felt a lot better when I switched over to that. Um, other than that, that's, that's about it. At, at the time, I didn't really look at other releases. Um, I was still, you know, I didn't really know anything about them. And so I was just like, well, this is the one that I know. So I'm going to get one of these. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Cause the, the unique thing about any powerful teacher like John Dudley, it's like, if, if you're going to be following his, along with his school of training, you might as well get what he talks about. Granted, they're like, they're going to be between 200 to $300 for each uh, release, but you're not going to be getting rid of it anytime soon because that's, that's a one of those lifelong type of uh, releases because they're so well engineered. And if you're listening to, if anybody watches his teachings, you're going to be able to pick up four. You're going to gravitate to it. He's going to build value in that release and such. I've been wanting to get that silver back myself, but it's coming down to pulling that trigger, but I haven't experienced any target panic. So I haven't really decided, I haven't had a necessary need to grab, get it yet, but I, I do like that feature of a back tension because it really focuses on the proper muscle groups. Yeah, it's been pretty neat um, using that after after hunting season got over this year um, and I was just shooting in my garage, I, for about, oh, probably two or three weeks straight, um, I shot with nothing but the silverback and was just working on, you know, focusing on that and, you know, focusing on my form with that and, and pulling through the shot and just trying to make, trying to make everything really repeatable. That is a proper way to, especially like the way you've, you've come, come into this. If you, if any of your kids wanted to pick up a bow and learn, you've already kind of have the rhythm of everything coming down to it. And you already have those so this is the way you can 
kind of create like a, a bonding moment where you can sit down and watch these videos, watch like 10, 15 minutes of it or however long it takes for them to get distracted and go from there. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's where my, you know, my son's starting to get to that, um, you know, where it's, he, he's, he's wanting to get better and, um, because he's been doing with his, uh, his shooting club that he's in, um, they've been mixing a little bit of archery too. So, um, so they're doing a little bit of that. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he gets, gets a little more of the itch and wants to go out and shoot the bow a little more. Um, cause him and my oldest daughter, they love going to 3d shoots with me, but trying to get them to practice beforehand is another thing. <laughs> Completely understandable. You know, I think you, you can always kind of look at it as a way to encouragement, you know, to get them to do it and like provide them that praise. And so this way that if you just encourage them to get themselves out of that um, comfort zone, but also like restricting, like, well, if you want to play video games, you need to do a half hour's worth of shooting type scenario, try to come up with some type of a barter. Cause then who knows that, that, that simple 30 minutes will turn into an hour and a half and it's dinner time. And I guess it's like, it's unique with how kids work with it. And a great asset to reach out to is Tyson because he's gone through those levels of training. So, and plus kids listen to other people. They don't listen to their parents. So it's always a unique thing to see how they respond to them. It's like, I'm telling you the same thing. It's just how kids work with their parents. Yeah. That's just like this. Well, this last Saturday, my son had, they did some archery and um, the guy's like, the, the guy that was running it, he's like, well, do you want to stay and help you with your son? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, I want someone else to talk to him about this, not me. <laughs> Completely understandable. I tried getting uh, my daughter when she was younger into it. So it just never took. So it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. So it's like, I will just, I'll bring it up every once in a while. Like earlier this fall, I wanted to take her out. And we went to Shields there in Rochester. And I wanted to say, well, let's see how she reacts to a crossbow. And see if she'd be interested in doing something like because in Wisconsin, it's dirt cheap for her to get a, a light, a tag and such. And uh, she can legally use that. So I was like, well, let's try this out and see if, see if she likes it. And then she flat out told me, it's like, Dad, I don't have the I don't have the attention span for it. It's like, fair enough. I will take that a words of wisdom then, you know, and maybe things will change as she gets older. She's nine now, so things could change here in a few years, but uh, won't push anything on her because it's like I want her to gravitate to her on her own. Uh, my wife and I, we both shoot. So I spent a little bit of money this past Christmas for her to get new bowstrings. So I got new strings for her. And then I found out that she, look, I bought a magnifier, a 4X magnifier for my HUJ site. And I showed it to her. And it's like, she fell in love with it. Now just, we got to get in and get her eyes checked out and such. Cause she needs to get new glasses because her eyes are deteriorating. So it's like, well, why don't we get the new set of glasses? Then we'll try again. And cause maybe the new glasses afford magnifications too much. Maybe go to a two, two X. So you don't know, just play around with that because she's not as bad for a six sense, six X, but uh, the four X with her current prescription works out very, very well. And I just want her to have that confidence to shoot, to be able to get out there and just not have to worry about it. It's just some people have that in their green where they want to be perfect every single time, but it's like we all know it's it's a learning curve, and you got to learn by trial and error, but also not developing bad habits is a good thing. So I share with her like short 
like eight to 10 minute, 12 minute videos. And Judd Dudley is a fantastic teacher. So it's like a lot of videos I share as his just because the way he articulates it, it maybe what he'll say something that'll trigger differently than I'll say it. And then we're still trying to get the same thing, but maybe that will resonate better for, for that said person. One, and the, you know, how I look at it too is, um, you know, when I was a kid, I, you know, my first bow was a little fiberglass long bow that I shot around whatever. I had like a piece of bale and twine as a bowstring. <laughs> um, but, uh, as my, when my dad got into bow hunting, um, you know, anytime he went out there and he got his bow out to practice, um, I was like, well, he's doing, I'm going to go get my bow and shoot with him. And so I look at it like that too, you know, once it warms up here and I'm getting shooting outside more, that's, that's when my kids will come out and start shooting with me and, and I can set up their target closer and, and they can shoot away and, and I've had all four of them out there all the way down to my three-year-old out there shooting a bow. So um, it's pretty fun. <laughs> that is exciting. That's excellent. I have a, uh, I bought a, uh, an atomic return. It's, it's, it's called the atomic from uh, uh, infinite edge, whoever makes infinite edge. I think that's, I have an atomic version of that, like just a simple recurve. It's got a, a whisker biscuit on it, but I want to give it to an, uh, somebody that wants to get the kids into it. I have a few arrows that are, cut perfectly for it you know nothing that's going to outstretch the reach but it's a great fit for anybody so if you know anybody like it wants to get the kids in there but don't want to spend a whole lot of money practically give it away for free just because it's like you know i want to put a miles list to have it collect dust give it to somebody well that, that's what i'm running into trying to um <clears throat> my son and my oldest daughter they're about to the point where you know i need to get them something like one of those uh like the diamond infinite edge or something like that that's more adjustable um they're starting to outgrow the the smaller cheaper bows and i'm like well you know i don't want to i've looked at some of them some of the kids bows i'm like well why not go with one of these that they can shoot till they're basically an adult you can keep the thing for 10 years and then when they're when they get past that then they can move up to something once they've established their strength and and more what their draw length is going to be as as they get older. What about the the Explorer SS from Expedition? Does would that go low enough for them to handle, or is that one of those they need to be between a certain age and older for them to be developed to be able to pull everything back and not have to worry about it? I don't know. I haven't done much studying on that particular bow. I'm not sure. Uh, I think I'm. Um, Expedition does have a bow that they have that's got, um, gosh, I can't think of the name of it. I just yeah, they just it. came out this year too. It's a, uh, but it uh, it's got two different draw lengths, and or and draw weights. I mean, and you know, one's in that lower range. I think it was like twenty to forty pounds, and then I think the other um, set of cams or limbs is uh uh, was like 40 to 60 or 40 to 70 pounds. And I can't think of what that was called. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm on another, I'm on their Instagram page right now to look for it. Cause I know they came out with one right around Christmas time or I'm just looking, but I see a lot of, uh, a lot of successful pictures of people shooting their bows and such, but I don't see that, uh, breakdown of it. That's all right then. 
there's a lot there's a lot of opportunities out there to check them out but man that smoke is something else that's one that's uh it's a, that's an adults only bow right there yeah my my son's using uh it's a little barnet um bow i can't remember what the model is right now and my daughter's using my old bow from when i was a kid um but uh yeah at some point i you know i i look at it too i was like well i want to make sure this is something they want to keep doing before i invest the money into it too you know if i don't want to buy them a three or four hundred dollar bow that just sits there and collects dust that they'll shoot once or twice a year yeah i could that goes through every uh a parent's mind because you want to get them induced but kids they tend to have they follow the dopamine wherever they want to go and such and you have to show that consistency for like one time my daughter asked me for a set of golf clubs it's like mm, no i don't play golf and it's like i don't know who you may have to ask your your mom for that one but uh because mo i don't play golf so it's like i'm not going to invest the money in for it and i don't know if she just asked me to see if she'd get it or what be me the case but it's like i'm not going to do that and then uh it's you know, I just I'll just take one thing at a time, you know. Yep. Yeah. Now, like, <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead with your your. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. No, I was. That's all. I, I didn't want to say anything. So. Okay. So when I caught you in your in your your transformation, you you wanted to change your whole mindset and your body weight and getting yourself practically chiseled. So like, what was that defining moment that that? triggered this response to begin this new journey that you've begun here just a few months was it a year ago or so when you started making that transformation so um you know my my fitness journey really started about six years ago um i was uh at, at that point i was like 225 pounds um and one of the things that really uh, triggered me. We have a old like um, square farmhouse style house that you can run around in a circle in. And I could make it about three times around in the circle. And before I was winded running around with the kids and I, I, I was struggling to put my, you know, bend over and tie my shoes. And um, I just looked in the mirror and I was, did not like what I saw. Um, on top of that, uh, earlier that year, um, my cousin that was 40 years old died of a heart attack. And then within six months of that, one of my wife's cousins, husbands, who was two years younger than me died of a heart attack. Oh, I'm sorry, man. That's that's a lot of hard hitting life change, life changing uh, events there for you and your and your wife. Yeah, um, but they were both both overweight, didn't take care of themselves, and and I looked in looked in the mirror and I was like, I don't want to be the next one. And so I went out, um, and it was yeah, it would have been six years ago in January was, uh, was when I started and I went for my first run here in town and I made it two blocks before I had to walk and walked for a while, ran again for a little bit, walked again, 
but I didn't stop until I got a mile done. Um, but from there I kept, kept going. Um, that year I actually lost quite a bit of weight. Um, but it was a struggle. I, I, I couldn't keep it off. That was, I, I got down to like a 175, but that was by the time I turned, uh, I turned 30 that July. And by, by my 30th birthday, I'd gotten down to 175. And by Christmas, I was basically back up to 200 pounds. And then the last five years after that, I was pretty much stuck around that 200 pounds because I had just restricted myself so much losing the weight before it, it wasn't sustainable. And um, I just couldn't find anything that worked that I could lose the weight and keep it off. And I mean, I was running, running every day, lifting weights, um, pretty much at least three or four times a week at that time. Um, but then last July, I, uh, I was introduced to the first form company and, um, and using their app. And I joined in on their summer challenge there that started in July. And um, with using the first form app, they do macro tracking uh, for your food, which was a completely foreign thing to me. Didn't know anything about it before, um, but it's just tracking your, your calories, your protein, your um, carbs and your fats. And with the app, it's pretty easy. You can scan food and stuff like that, um, or just search for it in there. And so I started using that. Um, the app also had daily workouts that you could do. And so I just, just followed that plan. And through the first eight week challenge, I lost 20 pounds. Bravo. And, and kept that off. So I was sitting at about 180. And then I went into the fall challenge that they had because they do four of these challenge, eight week challenges every year. And I went into that fall challenge at about 180 and lost another 10 pounds um, through that. And so at my lowest, I got down to 169. And I pretty much sat at that weight because um, what's nice um, using the app then is you can make adjustments, uh, whether you're trying to lose weight or maintain your body weight or gain muscle. You can make adjustments to those macro levels to what your goal is. Um, so once I got my weight down there, um, I just adjusted it to, to keep it there for a while. Um, then going into the new year here, uh, I set my, my new goal is to start building lean muscle and build strength. And um, I also started doing the 75 hard challenge. If you, I don't know if you know. Yeah, I've heard of that. that. I've, I've had a couple of friends that gone through the whole 75 day hard thing a couple of times and produces make fantastic results. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that um, in January. And for the people that don't know about the 75 hard challenge um, with that, you have to, um, you have to follow a diet. It's, 
doesn't have to be any specific diet. It's your diet of your choosing. Um, but I did our macro tracking with first forms app. Um, you have to do two workout, two 45 minute workouts a day. And one of them has to be outside and you have to read 10 pages of a book every day. You have to drink a gallon of water and there's no cheap meals and no alcohol. And so I was doing that, um, going pretty strong on that until I hit day 59 and I got a stomach bug. And so that, that knocked me out of it about two weeks ago. Um, so I wasn't able to complete the 75 hard challenge, but, um, you know, that happens. Can't control being sick. Um, I mean, that, that bug put me down for a day. I, mean, I, the day I was really sick, I slept for 18 hours that day. Damn. And it took me about a week before I got all of my, uh, appetite back and was eating back to normal and, and I'm still working on getting back to my, uh, I mean, it like uh, getting all my energy back. My energy level hasn't quite came all the way back from, from where I was before, but I'm working on it. <laughs> now, do you also take uh, vitamins too, like black seed oil, zinc, uh, turmeric, anything like that to kind of help uh, move things along to help you out? Um, I use uh, First Form has a, uh, their microfactor vitamin pack. Um, that's a kind of a complete macronutrient package. Uh, it's got fish oil in there. Um, and your multivitamins and, um, basically a lot of the things that help kind of pick up, pick up what you don't normally get with your food. Um, and then, uh, on top of that, I, I also use their, uh, uh, their reds and their greens to help with gut health and digestion and um, help with immunity. So perfect, man. You should, I uh, know um, on it, O N N I T, uh, that's Joe Rogan's pod or Joe Rogan's company, and it's same with the Aubrey Marcus. And they have a really good couple structure with that, too. The unique thing about that one is, is you could become a affiliate marketer with it. So this way, then if you're taking it, then you they can start selling it as well. I couldn't think this is why they kind of encourage that. But now, leads me to my next question here is that have you heard of burdock root or Irish sea moss? So both these both these these uh, minerals are just full of chock full of stuff. Now the burdock root is the most powerful one out there. It contains all 102 minerals the body needs to survive, and it and it kind of, kind of helps take care of all that fun stuff. You can only get it in a root, and you either most people ingest in either like a syrup or possibly like a powder type scenario or or a tea. Tea is very common, similar to the Irish sea moss too. Like one of when the when the Irish were going through the potato famine, the Irish sea moss would help sustain a lot of the people there because that has like 92 minerals the body needs and such. And that's another way to survive. And that usually comes in types of a, a, a uh, that's what I'm looking for, as a, as a tea as well, or as a, a syrup. Either way, it's or a serum, I should say, not a syrup. And those were both fantastic things to do. I know during the, the COVID, something like that, that was a very popular, like there's a few apothecary type people that, that if you didn't want to get the vaccine or if you, if you want to stay away from pharmaceuticals, then that was a good way to do that and be able to take, take, take care of yourself. And there's also a couple of companies out there too where you can send off 
samples. I'm not sure if it's your, if it's blood or if it's uh, hair follicles, but they can actually do a testing and figure out what your body's lacking in minerals. So this way, then you can either go out and get said intervention said mineral or you can kind of create a whole program to help you keep yourself balanced and stuff so i've been kind of been on this big uh, kick about learning about how to manipulate my body hacking essentially is what they call it so i've got some magnesium uh d3 zinc turmeric with black powder milk thistle so I've, I've got a fair share of a group of vitamins that I take to help with everything. And then also on top of that, including fasting up to 16 hours a day and, and only drinking water and such. And that's been kind of a way to slowly trickle off that. Then also working like walking and such, just simply walking for a half hour a couple of times a day. It's been kind of, it's a, it's a slower paced process, but it's just to kind of build up the muscle, um, muscles in my joints, my knees and stuff like, like walking backwards. Stuff like that. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's called the VMO muscle. It's what comes, it's attached to your, your, uh, your kneecap and it comes backwards through your, your thigh. But it's like when you walk backwards, that's what typically trick typically, uh, triggers that. But by doing that and creating, strengthening that muscle, you're able to do like your squats, your lunges, and you, f- and you have a, like more of a, uh, if you play basketball you you have better jumps and stuff. So I found that like just, Finding the stuff on on YouTube has been kind of a, a game changer in how to change my life around and such. Because it's like I don't want to be sick, even though right now I'm dealing with allergies. And you can't really tell, but it's like it's just a a way to avoid being sick. And especially the last two years, I haven't gotten sick to the point where I'm going to be out for a couple of weeks. You know, I'm just kind of cost. But also, too, um, your your power of your mind, your thoughts is another way too. If you maintain that that composure, being thinking positively and stuff like that instead of dwelling or and stuff like that. And also cutting out toxic people also plays a role in that too, because if you, if you speak it, you can, it can almost, you can almost uh, cast a spell on yourself to create yourself in a situation where you don't want to, where you want or don't want to be in kind of like uh, Murphy's law. Like if you, whatever you, whatever you fear most, you can, you can manifest. And so if you keep those positive things like that, and you, you, you treat all the small wins as a big victory, then those little things keep yourself in a positive mind, stuff like that. Like, let's say a kid gets hurt. It's like, all right, we, we, we can, we just digest, di- digest the situation and figure out how we can make them better, but don't show them the, their, the, the financial hurt or the emotional struggle with it all. But it's like, you can be able to digest information quicker and better. And it's kind of like, well, Jocko will link would say it's a like good because now you, you found the problem. Now it's just figuring out, writing out the solution to um, get to the, get to the positive outcome. Well, that's like, um, you know, it kind of reminds you, one of, one of my favorite books that I've read is uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. Yes, great book. That That's that's definitely a, a good book for if if people haven't read it, they should. Um, but yeah, you'll be amazed at what, just by switching your mindset, how things can be. Um, you know, and that, that's been one of the things throughout, you know, these last nine months. Um, not only did I make a physical change, um, but I made a mental change too. And with, uh, with getting, getting into that first form community, I met a lot of great people there. And, um, with that, um, and after having the transformation myself, um, I, I got into their, what they call their Legionnaire program. Okay. What does that entail? What that is now is I'm helping other people. So I'm trying to I'm trying to help people to get the same results that I had 
um, you know, you know, whatever their fitness goal is, um, through this Legionnaire program, um, I can do one-on-one -on -one coaching with people through the first forms through their app. And so, you know, that was a big thing for me that helped me out was having, um, having that advisor there to help me, um, with any questions I had and just having someone there for accountability. And so through that, um, you know, I'm working with this program now to try to, to find, a, you know, as many people as I can to help, you know, do the same thing. Um, cause it, it really changed my life. And question for you, have you read, uh, come across uh, discipline equals freedom by Jocko Link? Oh, that's, that's one of my favorite books to give anybody because it's, it's, it's all about discipline and, and, and the way he writes it and such, it's very oh, straightforward. There's no gray area about it. That's the best part. My video froze. I'm not sure. waiting for it to, to cycle through because you're kind of stuck. I can hear you though, which is good. I'm still recording. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can hear you just fine, but you're you're not moving. <laughs> oh, we're both stuck then. All right, well, we'll just continue going until it all uh, works out. Now, I did come across our, our, an app called Yucca. It's Y-U-K-A, and you can use the scan barcodes. And what it will allow you to do is if the um, food is toxic or whatever, to look at it and it'll examine it. And this way you make a decision whether am I going to buy it or not going to buy it. Now, something for yourself, you're already on that, that mindset of changing yourself. And I'm sure your change, your, your change you've made have, has affected the entire hierarchy of your family. I'm sure it affected your wife and your kids and everybody is in a, a much healthier mindset. I mean, it, it definitely helps. Um, you know, the, the, the hardest thing that I've had to get by is that my wife is a really good baker. Um, and a lot of the she bakes really well are not healthy. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, I, I still get some of those from time to time, but, um, you know, I, I limit that of course, cause it's, you know, I know that stuff's not good for me. Um, but I, you know, I just, uh, that was kind of one of the things that I, you know, I, I, some of the people that, that are, that do, um, <clears throat> that are really into it, you know, they, you know, every, everything's really a lot of healthy food. Um, and, but what, you know, what I've also tried to find being a, being a Midwestern guy, you know, we're a lot of meat and potatoes up here and, you know, just, looking at some foods that might not necessarily be the healthiest, but they're part of our staple and, and knowing that, you know, that stuff can still work in, you know, your so-called diet. Um, but it's all about, you know, proper portions, um, you know, stuff like that. And, um, that's been kind of what's been fun with me with being able to track food, you know, you actually know what you're putting into your body. And, you know, most people have no idea. Uh, I know when I started, when I looked at some of the things that I was eating and drinking before, it was just like, wow, that, you know, I couldn't believe, you know, how, how much sugar and carbs, especially stuff that I was drinking had in it. Yeah, that is that is amazing how much that stuff really catches up in you too. And then also paying attention to how your water is filtered as well, because 
one of our filters we use through our, our refrigerator it filters out like some like 29 um, different types of of carcinogen or like toxins that are that are in the water from our tap water and stuff but if you go even deeper into that too as well it's it also comes down to how you treat your skin because our our skin is is designed to absorb stuff so it's like trying to figure out what is a good system to utilize to help make everybody's drinking water healthier because i know in um when my grandma went up to Mayo Clinic back in the early 2000s, she broke her hip. The doctor made a comment saying that, why does everybody come out of Mitchell County have cancer? And a lot of it comes down to the drinking water and the way it's, the way it's not filtered. And so it's like, all we're pretty much doing is drinking uh, pheromones, um, flushed down pharmaceuticals, a lot of nasty stuff that shouldn't be cleaned out, but they just don't want to do it. It's because it's like, they want a sicker, so this way then they can profit on every aspect of it because of the way our our system was run here in America. It's like we're we're a sick care type facility instead of being a country, instead of being like Europe, where they really go through and they remove a lot of the nastiness from sodas and Powerade and Gatorade and uh, even our baked goods and all that too. It's like we're we eat a lot of toxic stuff here, even when it comes down to. Um, vegetables and stuff because if you don't wash your great your foods in like a uh, an alkaline environment or like it's something like 11 percent um oh what's it i can't i'm not i'm, I'm my brain is freezing there but what i'm getting at though is like the all the gmos and all not the gmos but all the pesticides we're ingesting all that fun stuff and it's like if you try to wash it with soap water or if you try to just rinse it with your tap water, you're not getting rid of those those pesticides because we have such uh, we're so dependent on factory farming. It's where you really got to start doing your own farming yourself or own gardening. So this way, then you can actually be 100% sufficient. And that's one of the biggest things that um, big tech, big pharma don't like because if you're able to be self-sustaining and being healthier. You won't have. You're not going to be reliant on health insurance and all the pharmaceutical medicines that the, they're toxins, I guess you want to say, because they're all derivatives of petroleum. Now, after my 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 wonderful rant about how toxic uh, the United States um, corporations keep us, you know, I want to slide us into the your 2021 fall season. How did everything turn out for you? So, um, yeah, this year bow hunting went really well. Um, I got my buck um, right before Halloween, um, which is a lot earlier than the last two years when I've gone hunting, and um, and he was he was a good buck, um, by far the biggest one I've gotten out of the three years that I've hunted now. Um, so he's a twelve point buck. Um, I just got it. I got him back uh, from the taxidermist um, about mid January, late January, and uh, got him got him up in the garage. So uh, I I get to see him every morning when I go out there and work out and when I'm shooting my bow. And so it's just extra motivation right there. That is pretty cool. Now, did you do a European mount or did you do a shoulder mount? Shoulder mount. Sweet. That's always exciting when you when all your hard work came together and, and produced something pretty nice. Go, what else? What else? How else did your season go out? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was it was pretty neat when I got him. Um, you know, the the night I went out, I thought 
it, you know, it was pretty late. I was waiting on my wife to get back from, um, from something. And basically as soon as she stepped in the door, I was going out the door and I'm like, all right, this is like an hour later than I wanted to be out, but I'm going to try it anyways. And, um, I was just about ready to come down, start getting out of the stand when this little doe came running up from behind me and she froze in her tracks and was staring over. There's some, uh, uh, they're kind of willow that just kind of grows like weeds down by the river. Um, she was staring over at those. And then I could start to hear his antlers hitting the willows as he's coming through. I'm like, all right, what am I going to see? And this big guy stepped out and he followed the path perfectly right by my stand. He was at, was at 18 yards when I drew back. Uh, but, uh, my sight light didn't work. And luckily with my sight, I've got a, a slider sight. It's a five pin slider. And I use the center pin for when I'm doing, when I'm adjusting with the slider. Well, I knew I already had it set at 20 yards. So I was like, well, I'm like, I can't hardly see the pins, but I'm just going to center this thing on him. And I'm like, I can't hardly miss at this range. And I, I use one of the, uh, the nose buttons. So I just, I put that back on my nose and centered the housing right on him. Um, and it was a good shot. I got um, at least one of the lungs and right through the liver. And he didn't, I mean, he only ran maybe 30 yards. Um, but he, uh, it, it was it was pretty, uh, pretty big adrenaline rush when, when I got him. Um, and when I first walked up and saw him, saw him in person, cause I had, I, I bet I had 10 or 12 pictures of him, um, between last year and this year and just walking up and putting my hands on him that first time was pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Um, and then I brought my, of course, um, I didn't, uh, when I went to, when I walked up to him, start going through my pack to find my knife and my knife is not in my pack. Oh no. So, <laughs> and I'm like, how is this? What, what the heck's going on? Um, I looked, I, I mean, I pulled everything out of my pack and I was like, all right, I never take that thing out of there. Where, what happened? Um, I go back and I look in the car and it's not there. I'm like, well, I'm at the car already. I might as well go get the kids. So I go get my older kids and I bring them back out. And um, the last two years I've taken them out um, after I, when I've gotten my buck. Sadly, neither of them have been out with me when I've actually shot the deer. Um, but I've brought both of them out there um, and they've been there when I have field dressed it. And they try to help me drag it out. Um, this one was a struggle because um, I, I I didn't weigh him. You know, I had no way of weighing him out in the field, but I, I know he was over 200 pounds. And the place I hunt um, is down by river. Uh, for one thing, they had a tornado that went through this area back in 2004. And nothing ever got cleaned out of that timber. There's dead fall down everywhere. And then we had a really bad ice storm last year that brought down a lot more stuff. 
So just dragging him out, that was, uh, <laughs> that took some effort. I can tell you that it was about, oh, about a quarter mile that I had to drag him through there. And I know there was um, probably at least a dozen logs that were a good 12 to 80, 18 inches that I had to lug him over. And uh, it made me glad that I had my fitness up as, as much as it was. Because a year ago, it probably would have taken me a few hours just to do that. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that, man. But at least you had a couple of kids there to, to, to help you out with the, the work for it all. I'm staring at the picture right now on your uh, Instagram. Man, he is he's handsome. He is a handsome devil. Uh, he's got great G1s, G2s, nice wide out past his ears. What do you think it was? like? I think he looks like, to me, he looks like six and a half, maybe five and a half year old buck. What do you think? I, I'd say probably around there. Um, and you know, I, I'm no expert by any means at, at aging bucks, but, uh, one thing that was really interesting, um, that the, the night that I got it, when I got out there, um, I saw quite a few deer in that hour before he showed up and I saw a group of does come through, um, and my stand I was sitting on is about 50 yards from the river. And I'm always seeing deer on the other side of the river too. And I saw a couple, a uh, couple nice bucks on the other side of the river. One was um, a pretty decent eight pointer. And I tried calling at them. And cause uh, last, last the year before um, I was actually able to call a buck across the river. Oh, that's exciting. And get him to come in. <clears throat> and then I was waiting for him to turn broadside and my son moved and he took off. So <laughs> that was a learning, learning experience for my son. Um, I had to teach him, if you hear me calling a lot, do not make a sound. Because <laughs> that means I'm trying to get a deer to come in. But, you know, I knew it wasn't his fault. I got a little upset at the time, but it's just part of it. But yeah, I, I tried calling these two bucks and um, did a couple, couple grunts and, and rattled, and they took off the other other direction, ran away from it. And the only thing that I can think of is that this buck that I got must have been king of the woods. There, he probably kicked their butts before that. <laughs> You know, that is, that is a true story. Like this, the buck behind me right here, he was the bully buck. As soon as I dropped him in 2017, 2018, he, I had new bucks never seen before, all different sizes between basket, uh, like little forkies all the way up to basket eights, nothing, nothing really noticeable, but like as soon as I took him off the land, bunches of bucks. But if you, you can't really see him, but that neck is just thick. And uh, when my wife and I found him the next day, cause I shot him, Watched him run, but I didn't see him tip over. Come to find he ran like 40 yards, tipped up, which is just fantastic. Well, he jumped on the, the property I don't have permission on. So it's like, well, we waited till like 10, 11 o'clock at night. It's like, hey, well, it's like we're waiting for him because we saw him leave. Maybe we can catch him when he comes back out and ask him, hey, we need to go. We shot a buck and jumped over on your site. Can we grab him? Well, the next morning, of course, the rigor motor set in, the cold set in. So we had to drag him through some thicket and through some through the, 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 the buck brush through ups and down trees that they were all toward. Uh, and then plus you also deal with all the legs that are sticking straight out like a dead corpse. And then we had to drag him cause I didn't want to, he was, he was, he was a little 
I woke him up at six o'clock in the morning. He wasn't unhappy about that, but I needed to get, get him taken care of. Otherwise I could lose him overall, like having the meat expire and stuff. But I dragged him across the yard into the other field and butchered him right there. At least your deer was all still malleable. You know, it's like you knew where you could tuck the legs in and move the head and such. Yeah. And well, and that was one of the things when I, the big thing that I noticed on him when I first, when I first walked up to him was how big his neck was. Uh, it was, it was pretty funny when I brought my kids there. I'm like, I was like talking to my son. I'm like, that deer's neck's bigger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the experience for me and the kid, you know, the kids loved it. Um, they, I mean, just the, the pure excitement when they got, when they got to see the buck for the first time, and um they were so excited about it and we when we we got home they come running in and they're yelling to to my wife and who she doesn't care at all because she's not a fan of hunting and stuff that much and she's like i don't want to hear about it don't tell me and they're but they're just jumping around and and got my my younger daughters all excited and they wanted to come out and look at it so you know, brought them outside real quick so they could see it in the back of the truck before I took it uptown and got it hung. And, um, but it, it is, it is so cool. Just, uh, you know, just getting the kids involved with that and how excited they are about it. And, and on top of it, all four of my kids love eating the meat with me. So, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. Oh yeah. That's the best way to do it. It's like, as soon as the kids get teeth, you got to get them introduced to all that fun stuff. Pheasant, wild get any type of wild game you can get in front of them it's like you can you can shut down those nose real quick when you get them tasting everything and enjoying that flavor you know my dad made the mistake years ago when my brother and i were really young uh, uh we ate venison all the time and we refused to eat beef so it's like it was it was kind of a hurdle to get past that but it's like we just love the taste of venison even to this day my brother and i love eating venison and then uh as a early father's day gift my wife bought me a smoker it should be here on thursday so i am going to be smoking up quite a bit over the course of the next several months just eating through the meat i have i'm just looking forward to experimenting with different um, injectables rubs and anything i can come up with to just to be um just be experimental with the whole process because i'm going to eat it regardless and if i'm, I'm going to share it with you it's like if you don't like it well, i'm going to still gonna eat it i i tell you what that that was one of the biggest game changers for me was when i got my pellet smoker um i got a pit boss one and um yeah just that thing just it's so easy to cook stuff on it and you know just set the temperature you want let it go um stick the meat probe in and wait for it to get to the temperature you want um i i use that as much as i can um even in the winter some when it's not blowing and 20 below zero but <laughs> yeah i just that's what i got too was pit boss now did you go with uh gas uh oh no that's for you went with propane but did, did you go with the uh, electrical propane then i well, either electrical pilot smoker correct yeah it's an electric one yep yeah you know it's like I, I've, I've heard all the horror stories between all of them but the, you know i i'd like from what I get, I got a, a several positive reinforcement by people just saying, "Let's get you. If you get electrical one, you're going to. It's gonna. You're going to be more happy with it overall." But uh, yeah, during the winter time, it gets a little tough, especially if you can't get the smoker out of the wind, because otherwise that that sm that wind will just suck that heat right out of it so quickly. 
unless you like to rewrap it like in a um, an insulated uh, reinsulate the walls and such because they're already double insulated I believe depending on what model you get but if you add an extra layer it kind of helps with everything too as well but you got to find something that's going to be able to sustain that heat I know they've got like those insulating blankets that you can lay over them um, I haven't gotten one of those but I've thought about it yeah, I'll, I'll see how this upcoming winter is going to be like if, if it's if it deems it for enough, because uh, uh, we're uh, the apartment, the uh, townhomes I live in the area I live in. I have more than one place where I can stick it at. It's just depending on how the wind is going to blow. Right now, I have my my primary grill right outside my front door because where I have it at, it doesn't the wind just kind of works its way around it like it. it, it uh, it's something about how the the garage and the side of the house, how it just creates this nice like dome where the wind travels. It creates this pocket where I can put it inside there. So it works. It works for the wintertime when we want it. And plus, it's like it's like I could see the temperature gauges from the wind from the window. So it works. It takes it does the job. So what's 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 the plans for for clay this summer? Well, always got stuff with the kids. Um, Going to be starting soccer here pretty soon. Um, my daughters are doing dance, uh, but that'll be done in May. Uh, but we usually have soccer. We usually got um, t-ball, baseball, stuff like that with the kids. So that always keeps me pretty busy. Um, I've actually been thinking about going turkey hunting this year. I've never done that before. Um, but it's been something that I've been thinking about, uh, especially because this last uh, month, almost over a month now, um, I've been seeing, you know, 20 to 30 turkeys every day on my way home. And I'm like, you know, I think I could do that. <laughs> I was looking at uh, doing a non-resident turkey hunting in Iowa, but it's like, you got to get drawn for it. And they get picked so quickly. Like uh, the only place where I could really see if I could possibly get a non-resident tag would be South uh, West of Des Moines. And even still then there, you're, you're talking below a hundred leftover tags to try to get there. It would be easier for you to come hunting in Wisconsin or Minnesota with me than it would for me to come down and join you. So I'm going to be, I'm, I got, I'm hoping to help, hoping to get a, a bag of Turkey here in the cross area. And then also I have a buddy of mine up in uh, a green Bay area that has, is he's called in several turkeys. Got, I think he's got eight on his, on his wall. So I want to at least try to add a couple because there it's like you, you can wait towards the end, of, end of March here and you can just buy over the counter archery tags and be able to get after it that way. And then next year I'm looking at doing a over the counter tag there for Miriam's in Nebraska. That's not too bad. It's it's only seven. It's a little over seven hundred miles from where I live, and then it, it's like I got a truck, I got a camper and such. So this way, then we can. There's, there's a couple of different places where we can set up camp at and, and uh, have electricity. So this way, we can run a space heater, keep us nice and uh, warm if it gets too cold. But it's it's kind of like, or I have access to generators too and stuff, just to make sure we we can have that good night's rest, being able to do it. We'll do five day trips, two days of traveling and three days of hunting. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's something that I've been looking at and, um, you know, I have absolutely no experience with turkeys. Um, but I've been, you know, kind of looking at some stuff online and, and, and asking questions and kind of, you know, I'm looking at where I'm seeing these turkeys every afternoon and 
trying to figure out where where they come from in the mornings, um, which you know it, it's pretty narrow area down here because there you know other than by the river there isn't isn't much timber around um, in our area. It's pretty much flat farm ground everywhere except for where the river is. So um, you know I've definitely been thinking about it. That is uh, something to think. Yeah, I completely understand. There's, I have a buddy of mine. His name's Jeremy Salter. He lives over by uh, Kioska. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird. It's one of those really long, weird ones. It's over by uh, e, uh, east of um, Fairfield, the Tumwon area over there. But he, Kiosk, there we go. Look at this guy coming out of left field. But he is. From southeast Iowa, so I know that stuff. Yeah. So, but he, uh, he is, um, he would be got, got to reach out to, um, I could, I could, I could set up a, a group text messages. So this way you talk to him and he, he's a great caller. He said last year he went like 16 or 16 for 16 or 18 for 18 birds. Cause he guides out there in North Carolina. And he, it's just like, he had one cadence for every single bird. He, he, cause he, for all the, all the, the hunters he's with out there in North Carolina. And he also does uh, bear hunting too. So he, he's, he knows his stuff. He's been on my podcast twice, but he has a really good um, understanding for it. I'm also John Morton, big J uh, customs, uh, custom calls out of um, uh, Louisiana. And if you shoot to happen to shoot a bird, if you keep the wing bones and send it to him, he'll make you a, um, uh, one of those glass ones, a little, to, to a glass top where you you take the uh, the wing bone you scratch it or you can utilize it as a call too as well he's very talented with the stuff um if you look if you go back and find that podcast with us he demonstrates for it now the worst part is is like i i now have a youtube channel so this video our video conversation will be on youtube the downside is like our initial uh, conversation and his stuff i lost i had a, a sd uh a hard drive for it and they're gone it's like I lost. I have no idea where it's at. So I was like, son of a gun, completely lost. And so I have no idea where it's at. So I had I had five years worth of material on there just gone. And now since I finally bit the bullet and started doing a YouTube channel, it's slowly growing. It's YouTube is a tough one for hunters. It's like you really you have to pay for it or you just kind of hit the algorithm just right to take off or it's just frustrating. So I'm or you have to do a lot of advertising for like doing giveaway stuff like like help me get up to a thousand or five thousand subscribers type scenario. But usually you have to um, offer a pretty good price to be able to do that. But uh, for a lot of folks like yourself, like transferring a lot of the videos and the reels you're doing, it's, it's very seamless to do. Once you once you figure it out, it's not difficult if i could figure it out anybody can do it and plus <laughs> we have kids they're really good at figuring stuff out too as well it's like i need to do x put it here on y help me figure that help me figure out the the in between now are you going to be able to go to the r100 in middle of may uh it's, it's someplace in iowa i don't think so unless i unless i only go to the sunday one um that's the same weekend as my daughter's dance recital. So oh, okay. Uh, that makes definitely, sense. Definitely not going anywhere on Saturday, that's for sure. Yeah, because it's in Iowa, Fayetteville, Iowa. It's uh May 20th to 22nd. I think I might be able to make it to that event. And then also I'm gonna go to the Sparta one because that's like literally like 12 miles away from me. So that's really close. Now, if you if you can make it to that one on July 22nd or 24th, you can stay with me. And then also at the end of July there is the king of the hill 3d event 
And last year they had 250 art plus archers show up. And that was only with two courses. This year it's going to be three courses. And it's going to have Vortex and a bunch of other prizes. I mean, it's usually, I don't know, 15, 20,000, between 15 to $30,000 with the prizes given away. Art, um, archery equipment, releases, arrows, uh, broadheads, a whole bunch of good stuff. Because, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to, that's a three day event. And that's the following weekend after that. And I'm not quite sure if I'm going to do all three days or if I'm just going to shoot, um, maybe just doing like uh, the Saturday and Sunday, get a hotel over there. Because it's, I have a camper, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have a uh, shower in it. So one of those type of things where it's like, well, if I at least get a hotel room, I can at least take a shower in July, it's going to be hot, but it is worth the trip. And if you do decide to come, well, obviously if you go to any, anything after pretty much May, you're going to want to keep a thermal cell. And at the beginning of our conversation, I have a buddy of mine that was out working day. He it's uh, Ryan Nordahl from uh, Epic Whitetail Habitats there in, up in Osseo. And he takes a picture and he shows a tick. Yeah, he, he was, must have been changing and getting taking a shower and he found a tick on his body. It's like, they're out. They're already out. Yeah, so this is just, it's so frustrating. It's like, you know, it's like, let's give us a few more months, but we're already seeing them in March. Yeah, I, uh, you know, talking about those shoots, I, I, I've been to the R100 in Fayetteville two years ago. Um, they did it in August. And uh, I met my brother over there because he lives in Cedar Rapids area. Um, but then they switched it to May. And so last year and this year, they put it the same weekend as my daughter's dance recital. I'm like, come on, guys. Um, yeah, but those May shoots are so worth it. But uh, last year, I went to the one that they had in Yankton, South Dakota. Oh, that's awesome. But they don't have it there in Yankton this year, I saw. So yeah, you're right. I don't see it there either. That's that's the the original home of uh Expedition back in the because Expedition started in 2012 or 2013 when it first was first uh came to light, and that's where it's based up is Yankton, South Dakota. And when Kurt Heddington and, and a couple other and one other guys, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but they bought them out and then they grabbed some semis and shipped everything over to Decora. That'd be really cool if they if they had uh, there at Anthem Archery or someplace in the Decora area for that R100 because it's I haven't I haven't been to the last couple of years because either I had something planned or somebody died or it's a wedding so it's like there's something always going on but now this year I don't have anything on my docket so hopefully I'll be able to go without an issue there in Sparta. But, or in May I, I I might just do the May one and two as well it's just I'm hoping that. Uh, we figure out some of these gas prices, man. These are freaking ridiculous. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you know, right now, uh, you know, it's it's getting crazy with these gas prices, and and the amount that my wife has to drive, um, you know, just getting our kids to and from school uh, is becoming is about ready to break the bank right now. It's getting crazy. I'm about about ready to tell her that we're gonna have to get her a Prius, and they're just gonna have to. <laughs> yeah because yeah. your youngest is being three so you can't skip around that and then uh, but it's like and then you have to meet the threshold for the weight or height requirement for iowa for me at a booster seat so it's like you, it's so frustrating when you have to buy one of those in there it was so nice growing up in the 80s like just hop in the back of the station wagon right oh like, yeah it's a cigarette oh, yeah. smoke we, a cigarette yeah. when i was a kid we'd drive from drive from colorado out here to iowa to visit my 
dad's family and we had an old uh, 83 S10 Blazer and we'd uh, pretty much every time we'd stop at Kearney at the uh, Cabela's there. And when we, when we stopped at Kearney, we would fold the back seat down. So that was all flat. And then me and my brother would just lay down in the back and try to sleep through most of Nebraska. So. <laughs> That's so true. I-80 is so boring. Yeah, you just crossed the Platte River about a hundred times. That's about it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty true. It's kind of like, and also Lewis and Clark. If you're going across ninety, I I always tell people if you're going across to count how many times you go across it, and then let me know and see how many if you counted correctly. Because I've done it once. I counted correctly the first time, so it was pretty cool. And it, it is uh, it is a, a trip because I've been on both sides of ninety, so it is it is definitely unique. I prefer going westbound than eastbound because it's just nothing but towns. But Pennsylvania is pretty. Taking I ninety on and through Pennsylvania is pretty legit. It is nice. Well, man, we we've hit we've hit a lot of cool stuff here, man. I'm hoping that we can you be able to do something. Um, also, in June is the next BMAC games, and I think that'll be right up your alley. It's like June. 20 it's it's the same weekend as an hha event so i i have to pick and choose my ballot yeah june 25th and 26th i was i was looking at that and uh so i i, I that with, with that that depends on when we go and visit my parents um because that's usually about the time we go down for my dad's birthday in the middle of the, he's that's right right on his birthday pretty much so we'll see um we don't we don't make it down to southeast Iowa nearly as much as I'd like to to see my family. So when we when we can, we go. Yeah, I completely understand that too. It's a, with the gas price they were. It's like you kind of regret when uh, when the when the guy that used to say mean tweets was in office, he didn't take advantage of a dollar fifty gas. You know, it's like it's 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 amazing when when life is good, you got to really do a lot. I did. I took advantage of it. I traveled an awful lot. I think we probably put on four or five thousand miles. The, during those years and such traveling down to Arizona and Iowa and Nebraska, uh, down to Illinois several times. So we took advantage of it. I mean, we put a lot of miles on and traveled an awful lot. And now it's like we, this upcoming summer, we don't have any major, major events. Like we're, we're, we're going like last year, we went to Colorado the year before. Yeah. So we don't have anything major like that. So most everything's going to be local to Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, we're also doing the, uh, HJ shoots. There's only six of them this year. I'll be able to make all six of them as long as nobody gives me a pop-up uh, wedding type scenario where I have to where I have to divert from it. Those are fun. You know, we were we me and my wife were talking about um, planning a trip to take our take our kids out west sometime this summer. Um, Cause my kids have never seen the mountains, and so you know we were gonna you know, whether it was going to Colorado or going to, you know, like Yellowstone or something, something out that area and, and get out to the mountains and stuff. But we're like, uh, yeah, if these gas prices don't come back down, I don't know if that trip's going to happen. <laughs> and on top of that, you splat. Well, the nice thing is too, it's like, I've always been a big fan of like pre-packing your lunches and stuff like that, having sandwiches ready. I know that's, that's how my dad and I served. That's how my dad survived taking us out when he was going after he got divorced and then like getting everything balanced out and stuff. It's like, we did a lot of, we did a lot of day trips. We always packed lunches. We always had bologna meat and, and cheese and soda and water and stuff like that. So this way then it kept the cost down. So this way we're not eating out and we could actually like uh, everywhere we went always had a picnic area. So it's like, it, it always worked out in his favor. So, you know, that's the biggest way to cut that cut, at least cut that cost. 
Oh yeah, pack a loaf of bread, some lunch meat and cheese, and that covers a lot of it. And um, well, and it's like when we went over there to Yankton to the the R100, we did we camped overnight when we were there. Um, me and my two oldest kids, and so you know we brought the cooler full of drinks and full of food, and um, brought some um, some ground venison along and just grilled that. And so we had had deer burgers and stuff for supper and then in the morning we had some some eggs and sausage cooked over fire and good times oh man those are the best memories i'll tell you what when your kids get older like remembering that smell of bacon or venison over in a cast iron over the fire or over over anything just being out in that element right there is, is so worth it because i remember waking up like that was my dad's way of waking us up was just like soon as we hit soon as we hear the bacon hit that hot cast iron it's like it's go time. It's time to get up and get, get your, get the show on the road. Yeah. So I'm, you know, hoping, hopefully we can get, you know, do something like that with them this year. We'll see. Excellent, man. Well, do we hit an all, a lot of good things here? Tell people, how can they find you on Instagram? Uh, on Instagram, you can find me. It's uh C wells dot one nine eight six. Um, that's where a lot of my content is, whether I'm shooting my bow every day or going for a run or throwing some weights around it, a little bit of everything on there. Fantastic. I mean, you've been an inspiration, man. You've really kind of like, I liked hearing about that new app. Make sure you DM me the link or something like that. So this way I can download it. And so this way I can get that stuff, get myself focused on getting that healthy workout and stuff like that. Cause I've got the healthy, like the eating and the vitamins down. Now it's just adding things into it to get a be have a healthier 2022 yeah that's you know that that was one of the things that i love the most about that the first four map is it's just it's all encompassing it, it basically has everything you need there from the food tracking workouts um they do they do live streams on there uh monday through friday from the people at first form that are like registered dietitians and, and personal trainers so um it's pretty awesome just the amount of stuff that they have packed into that app for people. Excellent. There we have it, folks. Thank you for Clay for taking some time out of your day and, and, and even dealing with that Zoom mess up. But hey, we're all we're gonna all take care of so thank you again for coming on, man. It was a great conversation. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. You're very welcome, sir.